Hey there, and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. We've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives, and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. If you're watching online, a big welcome to you. These are, these are actually days we dreamed about. We dreamed about filling church buildings, so we're going to allow those people to come in. But thank you for joining us online. And why don't we give it up for our host team? Don't they do an unbelievable job? Thank you. And Happy New Year to you all. So good to see you. Over Christmas, we focused on the birth of Jesus. We're going to read God's Word, and we're going to go to the end of the story, to after Jesus was crucified. Now, in this church, we always stand to read God's Word. So, having sat you all down, up you go, you beauties, and let's read the Word together. Come on, who's got some expectation that God is going to speak to you today? This book is life-changing. Let me read it to you. Now, after the Sabbath, near dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And a great earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the, sto the stone from the opening of the tomb. And he sat on it. I love the detail. The angel's appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards shook, paralyzed with fear at the sight of him and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus, who's been crucified, but he's not here, for he is risen, just as he said he would. Come and see the place where he was lying. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, as he promised, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Let's pray. Lord, these are your people. This is your word. Open our eyes that we might see everything you want us to see. In Jesus' name. And everyone said with a bit of faith, amen. amen. So grab your seat. Let's dive into God's Word. Verse 1, now after the Sabbath, near dawn of the first day of the week. Notice this, it's a new day, it's a new dawn, it's a new week. I believe for you as an individual and for us as a church, it's a new day, it's a new dawn. We are about to step into something incredibly exciting. New opportunities and a new 
future. Who's got a bit of faith that you're going to step into something new in 2024? I love that. And it says, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. These two women are incredible. When Jesus died, what happened to his closest followers? The men. They all left, every one of them. They deserted him and they denied him. But there were two women, and if you look through the passage in chapter 27, and at the start of 28, three times you will read that they were there. They were there at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, 55, 56. Then if you jump to verse 61, when Joseph of Arimathea took the body and buried Jesus, then Joseph left him. It says there in verse 61, there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. They were waiting. And now for a third time, on the third day, they're the ones that go looking for Jesus. Just imagine what these two women have just been through. They have stood and watched as, as, as the man that they loved the most, the man on planet Earth that deserved to suffer the least, became the one that suffered the most on a cross. You imagine the trauma of seeing him beaten and bloodied and crucified and brutally laid in a tomb. Imagine what these two women have just been through. If you've lost anyone, you will know what it's like for your head to be in a fog, your emotions to be in, in shock, in fact, this time last year, New Year's Eve, I was at a party, a Hollinger Field party, going there tonight, and it reminded me of this time last year, it was at Laura and Graham's, and I was getting ready for the party, and the phone rang, it was my sister-in-law, that's never a good sign, because she's always the one that breaks the bad news, and the news was that my mom had pneumonia, and she was having to be taken into hospital, and so we waited for an ambulance to take my mom into ER. And then literally one hour later, I get another phone call from the sister-in-law to say that my sister has gone into another psychosis. If you've ever seen someone go through psychosis, it is excruciatingly painful. You can't stop it, you can't change it. It is brutal to watch. And so I remember going into New Year's, New Year's Eve to the Hollinger's party, and I'm waiting for an ambulance from my mom to take it to the emergency room, and I'm waiting for another ambulance for my sister to take her to the crisis team and then into a psychiatric unit. My mom waited eight hours, my sister waited 36 hours. And so I'm at this party, but I'm in shock. Maybe some of you in your world, in your family, have gone through stuff in 2023 Maybe some of you are going through it now. That's what these two women have just gone through. And so they go to the tomb. And then it says, and a great earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone. Imagine this on TikTok. The angel's appearance was like lightning 
and his clothes were as white as snow, and the guards shook. These are not Roman legionnaires. These are specifically selected special forces with one job, protect that body at all cost. They're big, they're burly, they're trained killers, but they see this angel and they shake with fear. Then the angel speaks not to the soldiers, but to the woman. What does he say? Said to the woman in verse five, do not be afraid. Even when there are things going on around you that petrify everyone else, thank God there is another voice that speaks from heaven. And it might feel like all of hell has been unleashed against you, but there's a voice that says, do not be afraid. Even when your world is crashing down around you, do not be afraid, because I know that you're looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. I love that we've got so many people in the room and maybe some of you are new. Maybe this is your first time and you were expecting a cold, drafty, stone, pew building and you're like, what is going on here? And maybe you walked in and you're, you're looking at a text like this and it says, Jesus, you're looking for Jesus who has been. You know, a lot of people in the UK are looking for a Jesus who has been, a Jesus who once lived, who, who was a great teacher, and maybe a great uh, moral guide. But right now you think, well, but Jesus is dead. He, he's been buried. And so you came looking for a Jesus who has been, who has no relevance to your life. But here's a bit of good news. He's not just a Jesus who has been. Firstly, he's a Jesus who has been crucified. That little detail is important. Why? Because Jesus came to this earth to die on a cross for you. He wasn't just a historical figure. He came to bear your sin because of your mistakes. The Bible said he became sin that you might become the righteousness of God. There's a difference between a Jesus who has been and a Jesus who has been crucified. Friend, he came to this earth because he loved you so much. And that's why this pulpit is always used as a place of good news. Because I can't think of any better news that's going on in Norwich today than the fact that Jesus died for you to give you a hope and an incredible future. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, that would be good enough, but it goes on to say in verse six, but he's not here. He was here. He was dead. He was crucified, but it says he is not here for he has risen just as he said he would. The good news is Jesus is no longer in a tomb. He is on a throne and he's alive and living and breathing and he's in this room this morning. And he loves you and he sees you and he wants to meet with you. I love the message of the gospel, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. A few weeks ago, I was lecturing our SLA, our Soul Leadership Academy students. They are a bunch of legends. Come on, let's give it up for the SLA students. A few of them are over there. 
I don't know. It's, I was asked to, to do a class on atonement theory, and I love that stuff. It's like happy juice to me, so I, I couldn't wait to get in there and train them on propitiation and redemption and justification, and there were some very vacant looks, but we got there. And uh, where is Will Cooper in the building? Quick SLA student check. He's at the back. Come on, let's give it up for Will Cooper at the back, serving, and uh, Will is... Uh, Alan, our general manager's son, he's the junior elf often. And uh, he, he chose atonement theory to do his... In fact, come up here quick. Will, don't mess around. Jump out of the sound booth and run up here. And uh, he chose one of the atonement theories, and I'm going to test him on it, so that'll be a bit of fun, won't it? He chose a theory uh, by a Swedish theologian by the name of... What was his name, Will? Gustav Olen, give it, up, give it up for Will, that is very good. And uh, come on, hurry up. And uh, his theory was known as? Uh, oh, uh, his, the Christus Victor theory. Christus Victor theory, and what does that mean, Will? Uh, it basically means uh, that Christ is victorious, but not only over sin, but also over death, uh, the devil, and all evil forces. Oh, there you go, round of applause. You can go back to your sound Thanks, boat, guys. Will. So it was brilliant. So he chose that, and I knew he'd get it right because he studied it. And, and he wrote a paper on Gustav Allen, Christus Victor. And as part of that, I, he asked me for some resource. So I've got a book that I loved called The Cross of Christ by John Stott. Thank you. Got, got, that got more of a response than any of my sermons, so I like that. And uh, so I sent Will to the photocopier, and he came back. He, he photocopied out 10 pages, and we went through it line by line together. When I turned to the first page, I read this quote by John Stott. He said this. He says, it's impossible to read the New Testament without being impressed by the atmosphere of joyful confidence which pervades it. There's no defeatism about the early Christians. They spoke of victory. Victory, conquest, triumph, overcoming. This was the vocabulary of the first followers of the risen Lord Jesus. I love that the message of Jesus is not a defeat and it doesn't end with a cross. It ends with a resurrection. And there's a vocabulary of victory which was there in the early church. But the question is, is it there in us? Do we understand what it meant for Jesus to rise from the dead and defeat the devil and defeat sin and death and to conquer the grave. How are you in the vocabulary of victory? How well versed are you? I've told this story before, but I love it. It was first told in 2017, it was a rather personal story. It was told by the Queen Mother to uh, the grandson of Winston Churchill. His name is Sir Nicholas Soames. And the Queen Mother, just before she died, she told this story. And what would happen during World War II is uh, that every week, the Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, would go into Downing Street and would meet with the King. How many of you have seen The Crown? How many watch as Tony Blair goes in to see the Queen? Well, this was Winston Churchill. And those early years of the Second World War, as many of you know, were, were pretty brutal for us Brits. In 1939, 1940, 1941, it looked like as city after city in Europe fell to, to, to Hitler, it seemed like it was only a matter of time till the Nazis marched into Great Britain. They were dark days for England, and we turned to the British bulldog. 
And the turning point of the war came in 1942 on the 4th of November. When in the desert, the Egyptian desert, two great commanders, Rommel and Montgomery, locked horns in the battle of El Alamein. And for the first time, there was good news. And the Allies had defeated Rommel. And the dispatch came back from the battlefront. And it was put into Winston Churchill's dispatch box. And week after week, he'd been in to see the king with his head held down and a message of bad news. But when he got the Alamein dispatch, he walked in with confidence and with his head up. And he went to the king and he said these words. He said, sir, I give you victory. I love that thought and I'm here today to say no matter how dark your circumstances are, no matter how much it seems like the devil is winning, the good news is, sir, madam, I give you victory. It's not about what you can win, it's all about what he has won. He is Christus Victor. We don't have to struggle and strive to win our own victory. Who's glad that on the cross he won the victory for us? Christus Victor. I love that story. Now, this message is just warming up. We get to the good bit now. He's not here, verse 6. He's risen just as he said he would. Then the angels say this. Go quickly. And tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold. Remember I've been telling you that whenever you see that word behold, fasten your seatbelt. Something's coming. It says behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee as he promised. And there you will see him. Do not be afraid. He is going ahead of you. So many of you are here this morning, 2023, and you're facing all kinds of challenges and struggles and you're wondering about how you're gonna make it, whether you're gonna make it. The good news is, he's already gone ahead of you. He's in your 2024. He's in your 2025. And he's saying to you, do not be afraid. I've gone ahead of you. I'm already there in your future. I'm already gonna make a way for you. Do not be afraid. Facing worry and anxiety about your family. He's saying to you, do not be afraid. I'm going ahead of you. If you're a husband or a wife concerned about your spouse, he's saying, do not be afraid. I'm going ahead of you. If you're facing a financial situation or, or a workplace situation, Jesus is saying to you online, do not be afraid. I am going ahead of you. Who's grateful that he's already gone ahead of you? That whatever you face, you will not face alone this year. Because he's already gone ahead of you. And I love the way in verse six and seven, it's, it's really quick, clear in verse six, it says, just as he said he would. And in verse seven, it says, as he promised. See, if you turn back one chapter to Matthew 26, 31 and 32, 
Jesus talked about how they'll strike the, the shepherd and the sheep will scatter, but then it says, but after I've been raised, this is before the cross, he says, after I've been raised, after I've died, I'll, I'll be raised from the dead, and then I will go ahead of you into Galilee. I love the fact that when the angel came to the women, he is simply reminding them of something that Jesus has already told them. And I'm here today to remind some of you of some of the promises that God made over your life. And maybe you've allowed the circumstances of life and the experiences of life to cloud what God spoke over you. You online, you in the room, he's told you things about your future and you've forgotten them or you've lost the faith to believe in them. But I'm here to remind you, he's already gone ahead of you. I love this passage. He already stands in your future. I read the Bible in a year, every year, every year in a different translation. So the last month I've been in which book of the Bible? Come on. Revelation, well done. They got it online. But as you read through the book of Revelation, you're struck with these phrases time and time again. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. He's already your Omega. He's already in your future. And he's saying, do not be afraid. I am going ahead of you. But then there's one more little promise in verse seven. It says, behold, he's going ahead of you just as he promised. And then it says this, and there you will see him. I love that. Right now you feel like you're standing at a tomb. And it seems empty and hopeless. Where all you're looking at is lifelessness and death. But it says you will see him. You will see him. You can't see him right now. You can't see how he's going to work in your situation. You can't see a way through. But here's the promise. There you will see him. So we pick up the story later in the chapter. Matthew 28, 16. Where did Jesus say that he would go? Galilee. What do we know about Galilee? Where was it? Galilee was in the north, all right? Now, I know a lot of you have never gone north, all right? Because you're southerners, a lot of you. How many northerners do we have in the house? Come on, give me a wave, all of the northerners. There we are. Thank the Lord. We had three in the last service. We need to be a bit more diverse in our church. So thankfully, I see those hands. So come on, all the northerners, loud and proud. Why I, Gannon lad. There we go. Yeah, give it up for the northerners. They, they got a round of applause. I love it. Some of you are thinking I hate northerners. But anyway. But northerners are clearly more spiritual. Because where was Jesus brought up? Up north. Where were all the disciples brought up? up north. What happened to Jesus when he went south? 
There you go. Lesson learned. All right. So, so Jesus said, I'll meet you in Galilee, in the north. That's where they were from. That's where they were brought up. That's where Jesus spent most of his life. That's where the disciples were. When they were crucifying Jesus, they, they said to the disciples, you're one of him, aren't you? We can tell by your northern accents. So Jesus said, go into Galilee and I will meet you there. So let's pick up the story in verse 16 when Jesus meets them again. It says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Look at this. To the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Remember these 11 men have all deserted Jesus, left him. They blew it. Imagine how they're feeling meeting the risen son of God. He told them he was going to die and rise again and that he'd meet them. So imagine that sense of failure and shame and guilt. Imagine having to look him in the eye for the first time. And Jesus sends them to Galilee, but he sends them and meets them at a specific place. And this jumped out at me richly. And it's the mountain where Jesus appointed them. Which is what? If you go back in Matthew, the first mountain where Jesus appointed the disciples was the Sermon on the Mount. And that's where he taught the greatest sermon that's ever been preached and commissioned them to be different, to be salt and light. And so Jesus says, go to Galilee and I'll meet you there. And where does he meet them? At the mountain where he appointed them. The same mountain. Why? Because throughout the Bible you see this little cycle. Three words. Appointment, disappointment, reappointment. He takes them back to the place of original appointment to reappoint them because they've been through disappointment. And throughout the Bible, you see that cycle of appointment, disappointment, reappointment. You see it in Peter. You're Peter and on this rock, I'll build my church. The disappointment was he denied Jesus. He let him down. But here now we see a place of reappointment. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. For our church, you see it in life, not just in the Bible. You see it in life, don't you? A beautiful building that we first put up. Trevor, what year did we put up the building? When was it opened? Can you remember? 93. We were in that building. Beautiful building, a thousand seater. We all know the story. In 2006, it burned to the ground. Disappointment. Appointment, disappointment. But who's glad on March the 2nd, we're all going to traipse into there. You're going to be able to get a car park. You're going to be able to walk through the street, get a seat nice and easy up in the balcony if you want. And there's going to be a reappointment. Appointment, disappointment, reappointment. What about your life, friend? You watching or listening online. Maybe there was a time in your life when you knew God appointed you. You knew he had a plan for your life. He put a dream in your heart. But maybe you've been in a period of disappointment. God, how? 
I don't feel good enough. God, I feel like I've let you down too many times. Others have let, let me down. And you're filled with disappointment. But I believe Jesus wants to take some of you back to that place. Back to that place of appointment. To remind you that God has got a great future for you. He hasn't finished with you yet. He's got a great plan for your life. And so it goes on. It says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, verse 16, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And this little, little part of the next verse, it says, when they saw him. I love it. I love these little clues. See, Jesus had said, You'll, you will see me. The angel said, go to Galilee and you will see him. Imagine that moment when they saw him. They saw him. It doesn't say they saw the miracle. It says they saw him. Which is far more important. See, in life, you don't always see the miracle. Sometimes you do. This Christmas I spent it with my sister up north, the one that this time last year was in a psychosis. We've got a picture, this is Christmas day, I went up to be with her. She's the one on the left. And she cooked this unbelievable Christmas dinner, which is a miracle. And she's well, she was able to join in the games and she's doing fantastic. God really has met her and done a miracle in her life this year for which I'm incredibly grateful. Incredibly grateful. But this picture tells another story. Because I mentioned my sister and my mom. It's actually a place that wasn't filled this year. Because as you know, most of you, my mom died in September. Because it doesn't say you'll see a miracle. It says you will see him. And in 2023, it's been one of the toughest years of my life. But I can tell you this, I've seen Jesus in a new way, in a deeper way. I've seen his grace, I've seen his love, I've seen his strength, I've seen his compassion, I've seen his comfort. You'll see him, your darkest days. You'll see him like you've never seen him before. Saw this quote last week from John Piper. I had to take, take a breath when I read it. Said, says this, the sun of Jesus' glory was made to shine at the center of the solar system of your own soul. And when it does, all the planets of our life are held in their proper orbit. I don't know what's going on in your universe right now. It might be chaos out there. But I know this. When Christ 
is at the center of the solar system of your soul. When you see him at the center of your life, where he was always designed to be, when he's there, everything else is going to be okay. You're going to see him. Those of you that are struggling, you're going to see him like never before. Those of you that are weeping, you're going to see him like you've never seen. You're going to sense his presence. And I'm going to finish with this. When they saw him, how do you respond? When you've let him down so badly, betrayed him and denied him and deserted him. And then see him and he reappoints you and he gives you another goal and a new start how would you respond says when they saw him they worshipped him they worshipped him you know when you read the Bible you've got to read it with two lenses the first lens, you see yourself, don't you? Some of you saw yourself in the woman, the two women that had lost so much. Some of you saw yourself in her pain. Some of you saw yourself in those 11 men that had let Jesus down, deserted him, and maybe you've, you know you've let him down. So when you read the Bible, you, with one lens, you see yourself, and that's important, because then you can change. But the other lens is probably the most important lens. And that's when you see Him, see Jesus. When they saw Him, saw what He'd done for them on a cross, freely, saw that he's gone ahead of them and reappoints them. I mean, how do you respond to everything Jesus has done? It's really simple. They worshiped him. How else can you respond after all, my friend, that he's done for you and how much he loves you? So I'd like us all to stand. We're gonna take a moment to reflect, a moment to respond. Why don't you close your eyes? And if you feel comfortable, hold out your hands. And we're going to sing and worship Him. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him. Thanks again for tuning in. If you said yes to Jesus today by saying the salvation prayer, we'd love for you to email connections at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision you just made. And if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, head to soulchurch.com. And don't forget to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching at Soul Church UK. Take care and God bless.